Father in heaven, I want to thank you uh, for this weekend and just giving us the opportunity to get together to uh, celebrate together, God, but also to look into your word and also to look into our lives and our hearts, God, and see the kind of men and women that we are uh, compared to the kind of men and women that you've called us to be. And I pray that you'll help us to approach the weekend with humility in a way that allows us to uh, not only have a good time while we're here, God, but it allows us to go home different than when we got here, that uh, our hearts will change, that we can repent, and we can go home and ready to be more effective men and women for you, God, that we're able to go home and be ready to change uh, the world for you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, today I get to talk about uh, entitlement, and this is something that if you have been around me very much, I feel like over the past few years has become something I, that I, I've talked about a lot. And the reason I feel like I've talked about it more and more is because I believe that we live in an extremely entitled time. Uh, we live in a time where people, they, we truly do believe that we should be given everything that we want. And we live in a time where people don't, not only do we believe that we should be given whatever we want, we really believe that we shouldn't really have to do a lot of work for it. Uh, that things should be handed to us and that we should be able to take whatever it is. And because of that, we have become an increasingly selfish uh, kind of people. And whenever you look at God's word and you look at the attitudes that God has called us to have and the kind of people he's called us to be, it's almost the complete opposite of what an entitled person looks like. And so as we talked about doing this lesson, started talking about, man, what are we going to talk about, uh, that we looked at the Pharisees. And nobody ever wants to be compared to the Pharisees. If you've ever looked at the Bible, you know they're the religious people. They're the people who uh, ultimately really fought to have Jesus killed. So anytime you read the Bible and someone start com starts comparing you to a Pharisee, it's very easy for us to get defensive and get angry. And it makes sense to do that. But whenever you look at the Pharisees, they were a very, very entitled group of people. Uh, they felt like uh, because of who they were, that they should be listened to, they should be respected, that they should be saved just simply because of who they were. And when you look at the way that Jesus approached the Pharisees, he was extremely difficult on them. He was very, very hard on them. He called them names, he made fun of them. It's pretty funny to watch the way that Jesus approached them. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at the Pharisees and look at their lives, look at the kind of, more so look at their, at their hearts and see where they were at, and also look at our hearts and see where we stand and where we're at. And we're going to do it through a, kind of a weird way. We're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son. And that seems like a weird thing to do because normally whenever we talk about the prodigal son, who do we focus on? The prodigal son, right? Or the father. But when you, when you look at the beginning of that chapter and you look who Jesus is talking to, he is talking to two groups of people as he tells that story. And Jesus didn't tell a story for no reason. And whenever he told a story, what, whoever he was talking to, he was going to hit them very specifically. Now, in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. All right? So, first of all, you got the bad people, right? You got the people who are just really screwed up, the tax collectors and the sinners. These are the broken down people. And I believe that when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, I believe it, for a huge part of the story... He was comparing these people to the prodigal son, and he was wanting to know the, the sinners and the tax collectors and everyone else that was looked down upon. He was letting them know, hey, you're a son who has wandered away, but you can come back and you have a loving father who is here waiting for you. And that's the part of the story that we usually focus on. But then you read the next thing, and it says, and the Pharisees and scribes, so they're there also, grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. 
So he told this, this parable. So you've got two groups of people listening. You've got the sinners and you've got the Pharisees. And, and as you read down through this passage, actually I'm going to pull my Bible out. If you've got a Bible, turn it to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And I want to read uh, verses 25 through 32. It says this, Now his older son was in the field. So you guys know the other part, right? The prodigal son wanders away. He gets involved in a bunch of stuff. Wes talked about the pig pen, and he gets in the pig pen. He realizes how screwed up life is and how much better life is with the father. So he goes back home. The father's there already waiting on the road. He sees his son at a distance. He runs at him. It's a beautiful story. It's awesome. But this is what happens after he gets back, after the father's excited. This is after the tax collectors and the sinners have come home. And this is what Jesus starts talking to the Pharisees really heavily here. He says, now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and he heard music and dancing. He called to one of the servants and asked, what's going on? And the servant replied, your brother has arrived. Your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in. But his father came out and begged him. And he answered his father, look, I've served you all these years and I've never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've never given me so much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returns, after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughter the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. You see, he starts off this story talking to the sinners and the tax collectors. But then he says, but you Pharisees, who you are is you're the older brother. You're that older brother who's there and you're angry and you feel like you deserve all these things. And there's a very entitled attitude and spirit that you see this older brother take on, that you see that the Pharisees have. You see, entitlement is that it's that attitude or belief that you deserve something or something should be handed to you, and it, it encompasses a couple of attitudes. One is that you're exempt from responsibility, but two, that you're owed some kind of special treatment because of who you are. And this older brother is looking, he's like, man, I can't believe this. I deserve this. I should be having this. I should have had these things. In all these years, I should have been treated just like you're treating him. And there's this, this arrogance and this pride and this entitlement that springs up from this brother. And I believe that whenever you look at our lives and you look at our society and you look at college students in general, we can have a very entitled spirit. To where we feel like we should deserve things. And when we don't get those things, we pout and we scream and we kick and we throw a fit. And what we have to do is we've got to be honest, honest enough to look at our lives and see that about ourselves. And we also have to look at and ask ourselves, man, what does entitlement look like to other people? What is entitlement? When people look at my life and I have an entitled spirit, what do I look like? Do I look like Christ or do I look like something else? Well, you don't have to look very, very far in this passage to find out what you look like when you're entitled. Who in here has a positive thought when you think about the older brother? Anybody? No. Why not? Because he's a dirtbag, right? His brother is lost and he comes back and rather than being excited and, and loving his brother and welcoming him home, he is literally in the corner throwing a fit, stomping his feet because he didn't get what his brother has. 
You see, entitled people look selfish. They look ungrateful. They look like spoiled brats. And you can, we can go on all day. The world looks at us, and they look around, and they see entitled people too often. And the sad thing is, is that, that they should be able to look at the church. They should be able to look at the disciples on their campus and in our campus ministries. And they should see such a stark contrast between the way that we behave and the way we act and the way the rest of them do. But so many times the world looks around and they see entitlement everywhere and it, and, it, and it just oozes out of us as well. And we are never going to be able to reach the world in the way that we want to if we are living as entitled people. Like we deserve something, like something should be handed to us all the time. And the world and, and, and Christians, everybody looks at this older brother and we're like, ugh, I can't believe he's acting that way. I would never want to be like that. But really... We tend to be that. You see, most of you, I know a lot of you didn't grow up going to church. You were more like the tax collector, the sinner. And, and, and you come in that story and you identify with that part of the story. But the thing that we forget is that the longer we're Christians, the more we tend to become more like the Pharisees. The longer we're Christians, the more we become that religious person. The longer you're in Christ, the easier sometimes it becomes for us to become entitled people. For us to deal with the same kind of arrogance and the same kind of expectedness that the Pharisees have. And that's why sometimes what you'll see with ministries take place is you'll see these ministries full of people who have been one for the world and they're excited about God and they remember where they've come from and those ministries grow. But after 10, 12, 14 20 years, those, those ministries start to dwindle off, and then they start shrinking. And that I believe that's because we go from being the tax collectors and the sinners to being the Pharisees, to being those entitled who think we deserve everything we have. And then, not only do we internalize it, but then we start making it external, and we look at everybody else, and we're like, well, they, I deserve this, but they don't necessarily really deserve this. And so then we stop reaching people because our, our, we've, we've totally flipped the script on God. We've went from here to where we are longing for him and knew we needed him and knew we didn't deserve things and knew we had to have grace to becoming those people who are like, I can't believe he's given that to them. I've been here for 12 years in this ministry. I've been serving God for, and, and we become the Pharisees and we become the entitled. And one of the exciting things about CMU and the campus ministry stuff that we're doing and family vacation is this is, these are ministries made up of people who have been one for the world, one from the world. But we've got to make sure that we're not becoming entitled people who think we've somehow earned or deserved this. Because when we do that, we endanger our relationship with God, but we also endanger other people's ability to have a relationship with God. And people look at entitled people, and it's gross. So where does entitlement come from? Well, first of all, entitlement comes from an obsessive focus on self. You look, at, look at Luke chapter 15, verse 29, all right? Look at what the brother says. And I'm going to read this with emphasis, but you look at it, it's there, plain and clear. Look, these many years I have served you, and I never obeyed, disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You see that? That's one verse. Look at it. One, two, three, four, five. Five times in one verse, he's like, me, my, I. He is a very self-focused person, and entitlement comes and takes place when we become selfish, self-focused people. And I want us to think for a minute, think about our lives and the way that we live and the way that we think, and how often do we catch ourselves doing that? 
You know the talk, the self-talk that we do whenever no one else can listen, no one else hears what's going on, and when someone's talking to us about the way we're living or what we should be doing or where we need to be or at night when we're laying in bed and the, the voice that goes on inside of yourself, think about how many times it's I, me, my. You see, self-focused people become very entitled people. And we start thinking about the things that have been done wrong to who? To me. Well, I've dealt with this. I've been through that. This person did that to me. And we start thinking about all these things and we get so wrapped up in it. And we're like, man, because of all this stuff that's happened to me, I deserve this. I should have this because of this and this and that. And I've been trying to do what's right. So God should give me all these things. And we become these very selfish, entitled people, just like this older brother. He can't for a second take his eyes off of himself. He can't for a second be excited for his brother. Because he is so focused on who he is and what he wants. James 3.16 says, Where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every evil thing. He says, listen, all the evil, all the junk, all that crap, it comes from us having a selfish ambition. that That we are so focused on what we desire, what we want, what we should have. It's so completely opposite of what a disciple should be. It's so different than what a follower of Christ should be. So different than what you were when you first were baptized into Christ and you came out of that water and your sins have been washed away and you've been given a new life and you've been handed a mission that said you should focus on everyone else. And then months go by and years go by and all of a sudden it's I, me, my. Entitlement starts with a a self-focus that is just obsessive. You know, we joke a lot about this generation and selfies. You know, I have have almost a 16-year-old daughter, and I do tease her, but I also have serious talks with her. I'm like, get the flipping camera out of your freaking face. It's driving me insane. Stop taking pictures of yourself. You know, and we we tease with them, you know, well, when we were younger, you had a camera to take pictures of your friends. And and it sounds silly. It sounds like, oh, what's the big deal? But if you really did go back and you looked at the pictures I have from when I was growing up, guess what they're pictures of? My friends. And I'm in a few of them because someone would take pictures for us, but it's generally speaking not a picture of a person. It's of others. And spiritually, we do that same thing. We're so obsessed and so, we, we live a Snapchat Christianity. Boom, 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 filter, filter, boom, boom, all the time. And we're so obsessed with ourselves. And we become so entitled because we think that self is what matters. And that's what this brother is doing. He thinks what matters in this situation isn't that his brother's back. It's that he didn't get what he deserved. And he has been mistreated. And he isn't getting what he wants. Entitlement begins with an obsessive focus on self, but entitlement also requires a complete disregard for other people. You look at, look at the way he talks about his brother who has come back, who has repented, and look what he says to, about him. Your brother has come back and your father has killed the fatted calf. So he gets this news. And, and then it says, because he has received him back safe and sound, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. He's begging him. And, and, and look, at what the, look what the brother says. Rather than saying, my brother's back, he's still alive, he's still healthy, he's still safe. 
He wanted to come back home. He's going to live here. This is awesome. I have my brother back and you have your son back. It says that this son of yours. So then he's, it's, it's like not even his brother anymore, right? He's like, yeah, that, that dude over there came back and look what you're doing for him. Completely disregarding where his brother has been and what he's done. Because he's so obsessed with himself, he has such a disregard, such a lack of care, such a lack of concern for this other person. He's so entitled, he can't even see this incredible thing that is happening to his brother. Totally misses it. We do the same thing with other people. God has given us such an incredible life. But we've been so caught up in enjoying the benefits of what God has given us and thinking somehow that we've earned or we deserve them that there's a world full of lost people who totally get disregarded because we've become so entitled. We don't see what's going on around us. We don't see what's going on with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our ministries next to us because we've disregarded what they need because we are entitled to what we want. We disregard the lost people we sit in classes with all the time and who have horrible lives, who are going through probably some of the exact same things you did before you, went through, before you were with Christ. Some of the same hurts, some of the same habits, some of the same hang-ups that you have. People who are sitting next to you have been broken down and beaten down and abused. And we should have a, a love and a care and a concern for them. But we go into our classes and we disregard them because we're tired. Because we got to get the grade. Because we've got to get all the things that we deserve. We're so entitled. We sit down next to them and we disregard everyone around us just like the Pharisees did. The Pharisees walked around in their perfect lives and they wanted people to view them the way that they should be viewed and so they would walk around in their robes with their phylacteries that said, this is how good I am and I deserve a relationship with God because look at me, I have all my crap together so I should be close to God and everyone else can go to hell because I am worried about what I look like. I'm worried about what I deserve and you should give me the respect that I have earned. And everything was falling down around them. And they could care less about anyone else. They could care less about their Jewish brothers. They could care less about the Gentiles who could have been Jews. They could have proselytized. They didn't care because they were so caught up in what they wanted, what they desired, and what they deserved. They were entitled people. See, whenever we talk about, whenever we talk about entitlement, it's not me, not me getting up and trying to bash a younger generation because I I'm entitled myself, and I am selfish myself at times, and I look at those things, and it's not, I'm not bashing those things because it's fun. Entitlement sucks because it leaves lots of people without a relationship with God. That's why entitlement's bad. Because look at all the people who will never experience what you've gotten to experience, what you've gotten to have, because you've become so entitled that you somehow think you earned it, you deserved it, and it's all about us. And, and Jesus, that's why he's constantly berating the Pharisees. That's why he's constantly all over them. Because they have totally forgotten what it's truly about. They're so entitled. He tells this story, and, and, and like I said, it starts off so beautiful. And he's talking to all the sinners and the people who don't have a relationship with God. And he's like, you've got a father that he loves you. And then he's like, but wait a minute, there's also an older brother. And when he starts talking about the older brother, 
the Pharisees are probably so entitled they don't even realize he's talking to them, even though they literally just said what the older brother says up here. This man receives sinners and, and eats with them, you know, and they're complaining about it. And then he tells the story. They're probably so entitled that at first they don't even understand that he's comparing them to this older brother. They probably don't get it at first. That's how selfish, that's how entitled, and that's how blind we come through entitlement. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, Paul says to the church in Philippi, he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Conceit. Those are the two things that you want to you put together an ingredients list for entitlement. Selfishness and conceit. Arrogance. Entitlement. Mix them together and that's what you're going to come out with. He says, but with humility, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. He says, listen, don't be entitled. Don't be so conceited and so selfish that you don't see anybody else. I said that, that, that you know, entitlement requires that you disregard other people. Look what Paul says. He says, listen, don't be, don't be selfish and conceited, so don't be entitled. But with humility, regard other people as more important than yourselves. An entitled generation is never going to love people. Do you understand that? Entitled people don't really love other people. They love themselves. And he's telling them here, stop doing that. You can't have a disregard for other people. You see, entitlement comes from, a, from that obsessive focus on ourselves. And a disregard for others and entitlement also comes about by believing that you deserved or earned more than what you really have. Than what you really have. And, and this, again, isn't to beat everybody up. But guys, we live in, you, you realize you're growing up in a generation that gives everybody a trophy. Regardless if they want or not, you get a trophy because you participated. It's ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And what we've taught children is, is that they, that even if they haven't earned something, they should still get it. They should still get it. That's why we have millions of people who refuse to work, but they still feel entitled to have the American dream that everybody has, even though they won't do what it takes to get it. And do some people have to work harder to get that? Absolutely. Are circumstances even in the playing field even? Absolutely not. But for some reason, we've still bought into this lie that we think we should just, well, we should just hand something to everybody. That everybody deserves those same things, and we've become an entitled people. And that's just not the way things work. Look at what the brother says. Look, these many years I've served you. I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. What's he saying? He's saying, I deserve this. I am entitled to this. And I expect that you should give me exactly what you're giving my brother because it's what I deserve. You notice that, does the father ever argue with the brother about what he says here? Does he say, no, you didn't, you, no, because he... I believe that the older brother probably had been a good son in, in certain regards. But also, I have kids, and I know my 13-year-old my always says things like this, that we speak in absolutes, right? I, I never do that. I always, you know. But if, and, and generally speaking, he's a good kid. He has a good heart. He's trying to please God. But there are definitely things that Jackson does that makes him not deserve things that I give him as well. 
right? Just because he does some of those things. Well, there are plenty, there are plenty of times he disobeys, plenty of times he talks back, plenty of times I don't feel like he's respecting his mother the way that he should. But if you were talking to me and, and he said, but I'm a good son, I would say, you are a good son. Because he is. But I would also tell him, just because you're a good son doesn't, doesn't mean that you deserve all of the things that I give you. Because I do, I feel like I bless, we bless our kids a lot in spite of their mistakes, in spite of their failures, in spite of who they are. What they get, what we give them is grace and mercy. That's why they have the extra things. But somehow this older brother has come to this entitled state of mind that he doesn't understand grace and mercy or why he has what he has, why he has a roof over his head, why he has a father who loves him so much. And he starts thinking he has earned this and that it should be handed to him and given to him because he's been such a good son he's entitled to have these things and God says no no that's not the way it works you see we we've bought into this lie that we're just so good that we deserve all these things and God says no any good thing any good and perfect gift you have isn't because how good you are it's because the father's decided to give it to you as a as as grace and mercy not because you deserve it, because you don't deserve it. As a matter of fact, what does the Bible say we deserve? The Bible says we deserve death. That's what the Bible says. So anything beyond death, anything beyond God smiting us off of this earth, anything that you have is a gift to us that we did not deserve. But entitlement makes us think that we deserve everything that we have. And so that's, that's why we think it's okay for us to throw a fit and not, and not act the way that Christ called us to act when we don't get what we think we should get. And God says, no, you, you've got it backwards. James 4, verse 1 and 2, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within? You want what you don't have, and so you scheme and kill to get it because you think you deserve it. And God says, no, anything that I give you is a blessing. You see, really when it, with entitlement, what it really comes down to, the bottom line about entitlement is it's a heart issue. You see, the attitude that that older son is living by is, man, I've done it, therefore I'm entitled to it. His whole entire attitude is about what he should get from what he has done. And about it's not about who he's becoming in the process. He's about doing He's about doing what a son does, and he's forgot about being something. He for, he's forgetting about being what a son ought to be. He's about doing the things. You see, simply put, the older son, he may be about the father's house, but he has completely missed the father's heart. He's completely missed the heart of his father. He may be about doing the business or the work of it, but the heart is what's wrong. And we get so caught up in doing the right things and we say, well, I go, to, I, I go to church and I do this and I do that. And we can give a list of things that we do that make us think that we deserve something, but our heart isn't in the right place. And that's the problem with entitlement. That's the problem with this son is his heart is wrong. His heart is not in the right place. He's done the work. Dad, I've been here working the whole time. Yeah, you're right, son, you have. 
you've stayed here and you've helped take care of the sheep and you make sure the pens are closed at night and you come in and you do those things. Man, hey, Dad, I've done everything you've told me to do. You're right, son. You didn't go out. You haven't went out. You don't go out to the club. You don't go out drinking. You're not having sex in the dorm. You're not doing all these things. You're right. You do those things right. And we're like, that's right, I am. And, and we think, so where's my calf? Come on, God, where's all the blessings that you should be raining down upon me right now? And we're just waiting for it. And God's like, you do those things, but your heart isn't in the right place. Because we're selfish and we're entitled. The father, if you look at the father, did the father leave? Did he abandon the family? I can't take it. My son left off. He didn't leave. He didn't go out and do what the son did. He stays there and he takes care of the responsibility. He's been there the whole time too. The dad has been there the entire time, making sure the family has what it needs, making sure that the business is ran and that his kids and his, his wife are taken care of. He's been there the whole time, too. He's been taking care of that house. So for one, because he wanted there something for that son to be able to come back to. He wanted to be able to stand there on that road one day and look down the road and for the son to look and think, look how good my father's house still Look at how awesome that is. And, and look, at, look at how well he's taking care of things. Man, my, I've got a good, good father. I want to go back to him. But the son has missed the heart of the father. Even though he's done the business of the father, he's missed the heart of the dad. He's, the, the son's not standing there on the road looking in the, in the story. He's not waiting for the brother. He's not, as a matter of fact, when he gets back home and he realizes his brother's home, you would think the first thing that, that that brother would do would be run and find that kid and hug him and pick him up and tell him how grateful he is that God's brought him back home and that he's with the family again. But he's so entitled he can't do that. He's so ticked off at what he isn't getting and what he hasn't been handed. His heart is in the wrong place. We've got to stop being such entitled people because it shows where our hearts are really at. You see, if I'm going to turn the tide of entitlement in my life, there's a few things I have to remember. First of all, I need to remember I deserve nothing more or anything better than anyone else does. I mean, as a matter of fact, look at what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1. Formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. You want to know why Paul was effective? You want to know why Paul enabled Christianity to survive and, and, and thrive in a time when it was very difficult? was because he didn't feel entitled. He didn't feel like he had earned God's grace and mercy and earned the, the loving family of God and the forgiveness that he had received from these other people. He didn't think he deserved it. He wasn't entitled to it. He was lucky enough for God to love him that much to give him that grace and that mercy. The Pharisees had forgotten all about that. They had forgotten all about the fact that God had overlooked so much. They had forgotten about the fact they were so proud of their history and their family lineage. The Pharisees would all the time talk about their family lineage, constantly talking about it, which is kind of funny because their lineage was pretty screwed up. 
They want to hold it up like it's this awesome holy thing. And they're like, well, look at the people that I come from. Oh, you mean the same people who were in the desert and created idols and got God made them wander around for 40 years because they couldn't listen? Do you mean the ones who God repeatedly, your family, who God repeatedly had to let be enslaved and taken captive because they refused to listen to him and honor him? Oh, that family that you're so proud of? They were so proud of who they were and where they came from. They totally forgot all the junk in their past. Have you read the Old Testament lately? God does not paint the most beautiful picture of the Israelites, does he? So tell me, how is it possible for the Pharisees to hold their heads and their noses so stinking high? You want to know how? They forgot where they came from and they became entitled. They forget that at one point in their lives, they were the younger brother. Yeah, they may not have ran all the way out to the far country, but they disobeyed. They disregarded God. Their hearts weren't in the right place. They were selfish. They were conceited. They were all these things, but they couldn't see those things because they become so entitled and thought they deserved something because of where they came from. And you and I have got to go back and we've got to start remembering where we were when God found us. Because when we forget that, that's when we become entitled. That's when we think we deserve things. That's when we think everything's going to be handed to us. And ministries who believe that everything should be handed to them don't go out and do the work of harvesting the harvest because they think that someone else should just do that and put it in their laps. That's why churches all across our country sit in their church buildings every, every Sunday morning with a sign out front that says, come, come visit us rather than going out and doing it because they think it's just going to happen. We become entitled and we get happy sitting in our happy pews. And we're like, oh, look what I have. And look at, oh, I'm a part of a church. And it's so good that I have all these things. And we're so glad we have them. And we're so entitled to it that we don't think anybody else deserves it. Entitlement destroys our ability to, to perform the mission that God gave us. These, these older brothers, these Pharisees, these people like us, forgot how how messed up they were forgot the grace and mercy that had been given to them and that's why they didn't reach people that's why paul did paul was woke up to the fact see paul was a pharisee he was a teacher of the law he was someone he knew his stuff and as a matter of fact he even says i was a better jew than any of any of them were i was a better jew than any of them until God woke me up to the fact of how screwed up I was and how desperately I needed God. And when he realized that, Paul becomes a powerful force in the history of God's kingdom. And we've got to be called back to remember where we came from and who we were and what we've done. And remember how we don't deserve it. Because we need to remember Romans 3.23, for all of sin, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We all need God desperately. None of us are entitled to anything. But we believe that we are. And it's time for us to get past that. You see, if I'm going to turn the title of entitlement, I have to remember I deserve nothing more or better than anyone else. And I also have to remember to love God and the people around me more than I do myself. You, these are pretty basic commands in the Bible, right? Aren't they the first and the greatest commands? Right? Yet something so simple escapes us. And when those simple commandments escape us, we become entitled people. When we love ourselves more than God, 
we think that he should give us everything we have because of who we are, because we forget how great he is. We're not the great ones. He's the great one. He deserves all of the things, but graciously gives to us, even though we don't deserve it. And we should love him more deeply because of that. But like any child, we, we run the risk of becoming that spoiled, entitled, entitled kid. You know, when you're a parent, you walk a pretty fine line. You walk a very fine line of giving your kids things, giving them what they need, and then also giving them some blessing because you want them to know how desperately you love them and you want them to feel that love. And so you want to give them good things, but you also don't want to pour such blessing upon them that they're like, oh, I have it so good, I don't need you and I deserve that stuff, so give me more. And then whenever they want to go out and do something, they're like, hey, I need 20 bucks. And so they say, hey, mom, dad, I want to go do this. Do we have the money? Can I have some money to go out and do this with my friends? They're like, $20. Because somehow they've, they've, now they believe that they, they're owed this. That they should be able to expect it. And that's what we do with God. And then it gets us this. Give it to me. You put, we just put our hands out. We don't even ask. We don't say anything more because we think it's just, that's the way it should be. And then when we don't get it, and God's like, oh, no, you're getting, a little, you're getting a little too big for your britches, right? I tell my kids, I'm like, you're tripping. You're not going anywhere. Sit your butt on the couch for the night. And they're like, what? And they get this attitude problem and this chip on their shoulder because they've, they've bought into this lie that they deserve that. You don't deserve the life that you have. But we should love God because he's given us the life we have. And love brings about gratitude, not selfishness and entitlement. When you really love God and you remember how great he really is, you can't become entitled because you realize, man, I, the only reason I have this is because he's so good. That's why I have this life. He's so powerful. He's so awesome. He's so loving. He's so forgiving. He's so compassionate. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. That's why I have this, not because of who I am, but because of him. And because of that, I've got to love him all the more. I've got to love people if I don't want to become entitled more than I love myself. More than worrying about whether or not God is giving me all of the things I want, is, is, am I making sure that my brothers and sisters have the things that they need? Am I making sure that they are taken care of? Or am I so consumed by my love of self? You see, the way to deal with entitlement is to love. Love destroys selfishness. And ultimately, at its, at, at its base, entitlement is pride and selfishness. Love destroys those things. And when I love God and I love other people, it is nearly impossible for me to be entitled. You see, I've got to start rejoicing in what the Father rejoices in. What we, what we, find, what we find trying to make ourselves whole with are not the things that will make us whole. They're not the things that will complete us. You see, we think the relationship, the grades, the degree, the stuff, the right clothes, the right car, the right house, the right this, the right that. We think those things are going to make us whole. And so we rejoice in those things. And so we keep trying to cram everything in. And we're so entitled because we are trying to, we're trying to bring it all together and feel like we have, we've finally gotten where we want to be. And yet we're still sitting there like you two. I still haven't found what I'm looking for because you're never going to find fulfillment in those things 
You know when you find fulfillment is when you rejoice in what the Father rejoices in. When you rejoice in the fact that, that a lost lamb is found, that a prodigal son has come home. When you rejoice in those things, it's impossible for you to be entitled because you're so excited about the things that really truly matter and that's God and other people that you, th- you want to throw a party every time you walk into class and you're like, all right, man, look at all these people who are lost. Rather than being entitled to worry about what I get in class, I'm looking around the room and there's lots of lost sheep and lots of prodigals in here who need a relationship with God. And when you talk to them and you invite them to a cross chat or whatever it is that you're doing and they show up or they show up to church and they study the Bible, you're going to rejoice in the things that the Father rejoices in and you're going to start feeling more fulfillment than you ever could have by trying to grab your entitlement. We've got to rejoice in what the Father rejoices in. We have to celebrate and long for the successes and the redemption of the people around us because that's what the Father loves. That's what the Father rejoices in. That's what the Father put us here to do, not to grab everything we could in the short amount of time we have here, but to grab all of the people and all of the the lost souls that we can while we're out here And when you're doing what the Father has given you to do, you don't have to be entitled because you're so full of what really matters that you don't worry about yourself. See, we live in an entitled generation because we're obsessed with ourselves, because we disregard the people around us, because we believe that somehow we deserve or have earned the blessings that God has given us. Because our country does not deserve to have the good stuff we have. It doesn't. The reason we have what we have is because God is gracious enough to let us have it. That's why we have what we have. Not because we're so good, because we're not. We're a screwed up country. We're screwed up people. We don't deserve what we have. We have it because God loves us enough to let us have it. And when we start realizing that, that's when we'll start letting go of the entitlement. That's when we'll start... Stop believing we deserve things. That's when we'll stop throwing fits about what we don't have. And we'll start looking out for the interests of God and the interests of others. And we'll start rejoicing in what the Father rejoices in. And God will bless our lives more than ever. And and rarely do the things that we desire, are they what we really desire? God knows our desires better than we do. And it's funny because entitled people are all about grabbing everything that they can because they think it's going to make them feel fulfilled. You never will be fulfilled by being entitled. You'll be fulfilled when you let God give you what you desire. Because he knows the desires of your heart. Stop trying to snag up everything that you can and let God give you what you desire. Stop. We've got to stop being so selfish, so conceited, and so entitled. And we'll be amazed at what our lives become whenever we listen to God and just live the, life, live the life he's called us to live. We've got to stop being pharisaical. We've got to stop being like these, the, the older brother who somehow think they deserve something and get upset when someone else gets what they didn't get. But we look and we're like, man, it's so good to have a brother here. So good to have a brother back. Look, man, God bless that person in my church family. It's so incredible. And, and, and not be jealous or envious because God bless them with a good job, a good grade, parents who love them, whatever it might be. We've got to stop and we've got to be able to rejoice in the things that bless other people. And when we do that, our ministries will be much more effective. You'll be much more effective on a personal level at reaching the loss whenever they're not looking at you and seeing the older brother, but they're seeing a picture of a father who loves him. When we're a good brother, that's when 
we really make an impact on the world. And that's when our lives will really fulfill, be fulfilled. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, again, uh, I just want to pray that you'll help us to be people who are not entitled, God. That you will help us to remember that we don't deserve and we haven't earned, God, your love or any of the blessings that come along with that. That you'll help us to remember where we come from, the things that we've been involved in, God. That when we look at other people, that uh, we, we see them as you did, God, as helpless and harassed. As people who long for a relationship with you, God, that you will help us to be people who love you and love other people, that we put you first, God, and that we never think that we've earned or deserve what we have, God, but that you give it to us because you love us and you are uh, merciful, God, and that you are gracious enough to bless our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.